Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. Good morning, Harvest. This morning we're going to press on with our Bible Project Church at Home series. And the topic we're going to look at this morning is exile. Although the Bible is a book consisting of 66 other books written by dozens of authors over several thousand years, it really is one book written by one God with one large sweeping story. And as such, there are certain themes that recur again and again, suggesting to us that these are really universal themes. They're important things that reveal some truth to us. They're like a common thread woven through the tapestry of the whole Bible. And one of those themes Maybe one of the most important themes in all of the Bible is that of exile. The way we define exile is it's, it describes someone being forcibly ejected from their home or their country, leaving them disoriented and uprooted from a sense or a place of belonging. It propels them into a future where things are uncertain, unknown, and troubling. And so exile is not a comfortable or happy experience. Exile is always something difficult. It's accompanied by feelings of grief and loss and regret. When Adam and Eve rejected God's authority over their lives and chose instead to rule their own lives, the result was banishment from the garden that had been their perfect home. Then later on, when their firstborn son Cain murdered their secondborn son Abel in a jealous rage, he was also banished. And here's how Genesis 4.12 describes his sentence. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. He was cast out from his family, his people, and the presence of God. And this theme of being cast out because of a violation at the deepest level, would repeat again and again throughout the story of the Bible. It would certainly be something that's a repeated theme in Israel's history. They would continue to repent and then break their covenant relationship with God, and eventually this led to their ultimate banishment as an entire nation uh, into the captivity of the Babylonian Empire in 586 B.C. That exile, as the video pointed out really well, was perhaps the most defining event in the history of Israel as a nation. It's that one thing that happened which everyone in that country for generations and generations afterwards would see as the thing that marked us as a people forever. As the video also pointed out well, the experience of exile almost always gives rise to two important questions. The first question is, how do we end up here? And the second question is, is there any hope of returning home? For the exiles in the Old Testament, the many that are listed, the answer to the first question is almost always the same. The reason they ended up there was because the only requirement to to stay where they had that sense of home and belonging was to live in right relationship in covenant with God. And time and again, they broke that covenant 
And as a result, because God cared about them, he couldn't just blow that violation off and act like it didn't matter. And so the result was always ejection from that place of belonging and home and safety. When human beings rejected the righteous rule of God and chose instead to rule over themselves, the result was exile. And that's not a surprising answer to the question, how do we end up here? Because that is, in fact, what we should expect. It's what we do expect. That's how we treat those who break a covenant relationship with us, isn't it? I mean, when you violate the covenant that exists between us, you violate the trust and the sacredness of that relationship, exile is going to likely be the result. But the second question, is there any hope of going back home, That question gives rise to some really surprising insights about the heart and character of God. It leads to a surprising glimpse at what God really is like when things are really bad for us. For even in the exiles of our own making, what we find again and again in Scripture is a God who still continues to show love and compassion and mercy to us. Jesus once told a story about a young man who we commonly call the prodigal son. And while his dad was still alive, he demanded that his dad give him his share of the inheritance. And that would have been scandalously offensive to Jesus' audience because that's the worst thing a son could really ask of his dad. It's basically saying, I wish you were dead. And he took that money and he ran away from home off to a foreign land and he squandered it all in wild living. When this young man finds himself broke and starving to death in a foreign land, all of Jesus' original audience would have said, well, that's justice. It's what he deserves. What else did he expect should happen? And they would have felt no pity. In fact, they would have felt vindicated that this young man got exactly what his actions deserved. And yet the story doesn't end at all the way his audience is expecting. Instead, look what it says. This broken young man is ready, finally hit rock bottom, there's no place else to go, and he's returning home to beg his father for a place as a slave in the house where he once was an honored son. And as he's on the way back, look what the story says. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. That was even more shocking than what the son had done. That ending would have scandalized the conscience of Jesus' original hearers. Why should the Father act this way? And the point of the story is to say that our Heavenly Father does not treat us in our exiles, even when the exile is of our own making. He doesn't treat us the way we might expect. He doesn't even treat us the way we would treat others. But with Him there is this surprising and unexplainable depth of love and compassion for us when we're cast away. You know, the Israelites eventually returned home from exile, and it's important from that story for us to learn that the way home is made by the Father and not by us. And the Israelites as a nation eventually returned from Babylon um, in, in their status as exiles, to the city of Jerusalem, 
So they had come home, but it wasn't the party they were expecting. Because when they got home, what they found is that the home they had left so many generations ago was not at all the home that they heard stories about from their ancestors. They returned to a city and a temple that was in ruins. The great wall surrounding the city had had been broken down. And sometimes it's better not to have known a thing at all than to see the ruins of what it once was and see the echoes of its former glory and know how much had been lost. That's the way we all felt in the in probably the the 10, 15, 20 years after Michael Jordan stopped playing for the Bulls is we can't forget what it felt like to be a Bulls fan in those days. And just seeing those pictures and then seeing what we have today, and if any Bulls players are listening to this message by some free chance, I apologize. The truth is, having known that former glory, it makes the present state even harder to accept. They remembered the golden era under King David and his son Solomon when they had put Israel on the map. They had a dominion that stretched across huge tracts of land, wealth beyond imagining, and an amazing reputation. They were feared by the nations around them, and they longed for the promised Messiah who would come and restore the lost and former glory that was theirs under David and Solomon. You know, these refugees, these exiles, had returned home only to find they were home, but not home. And that feeling of being at home and yet not really feeling at home is pretty universal. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2, 11, verse 11, uh, Peter actually says that even after we become Christians, he reminds us that we remain sojourners and exiles in this world. That even though we are in some ways truly at home here on earth, this world isn't really our home. One of the two founders of the Bible Project is named John Collins. And on one of the the, um, podcasts that they have on this topic of exile, he said something that really grabbed my attention. He says this, You know that feeling that while this is our home, this is our family, these are our friends, this is my job, this is my existence, it doesn't feel right. Something's missing. Something's incomplete. I'm home, but I feel like a stranger in my own existence. That's a pretty powerful description of the way a lot of people feel. Maybe you feel like that right now. Listen to what that says. I'm home, but I feel like a stranger in my own existence. How do I know something's off, something's missing? It's because there seems to be something embedded deep within us that recognizes and longs for something much better, much more than what we're finding. It's as if God has embedded in us an unshakable yearning for a true place of belonging, of purpose. Tim Mackey, the other one of the founders of the Bible Project, chimes in on that same podcast, and here's what he has to say about it. You know how we actually know that something's missing is because of this. He says... It's, there's this idea of home with a capital H, this ultimate, ideal, perfect home which we all long for. And he says this place is to know that you belong in this world and that you're welcome here and that you're loved and have a role and a purpose. That's Eden. It's home. Home with a capital H. 
We know that this world isn't enough because there's something deep within us that knows there's better. This can't be it. There has to be something more. And we hunger for it. It's not just a theoretical idea. We find ourselves yearning desperately to have that more. What's strange, though, is that in spite of the clarity with which we can imagine and demand something better, not one of us has ever actually experienced that perfect home here on earth. It's not like we had it and we lost it. None of us have ever experienced it, and yet it is the thing which we long for more than anything. In his great book, The Weight of Glory, British theologian and author C.S. Lewis describes this thing as a desire for something that has never actually appeared in our experience. That's really weird because we do have this desire, but it's not like we have it because we once had it. We've never actually experienced this home with a capital H, this perfect place of belonging and purpose and welcome. How can we long for something we've never experienced? It's a, it's a strange question. It reminds me of when my daughter Jordan and I sometimes vibe out to 80s music. And I have this strong feeling of nostalgia whenever I hear 80s music. But I look over at her and she's got this far, far away look. She's vibing too. And I'm like, how could you possibly feel nostalgia for a decade you, you never lived through? And yet somehow the music still touches her in a weird way. It's a mystery, but I think it is possible to long for things which we never have actually experienced. Here's how C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory describes these glimpses, these feelings that we have where we say, that's it. He says, they, these glimpses, are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found. The echo of a tune we have not heard. News from a country we have never yet visited. From time to time, we catch glimpses of this home, this home with a capital H. It triggers something in us, that dinner party where there's flow, there's just this perfect connection among people, that date, that conversation, that vacation, that early jog watching the sunrise and feeling fully alive, seeing a picture that makes you cry, reading a story that stirs your deepest emotions. These are all things that make you feel like, I wish life would just always feel like this. This is it. This is what it is to live. And we've all caught glimpses like that, and those glimpses trigger in us, strangely enough, feelings of recognition and a greater longing for more of it. Here's how the writer of Hebrews puts words from the Bible to the same feeling. He writes, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. We know the kind of longing that we have, the belonging we want to experience. And we also know that it's just not available to us fully in this life. Some of us have more glimpses of it than others, but none of us have it right now. And yet these glimpses, they're designed to point us forward in time to a point in in which Christ will return 
and he will make this home new. And he will make this world our permanent and true home. Remember earlier when Pastor Frank preached about heaven and earth, this idea that contrary to to, uh, very common belief, heaven is not just some faraway, vague place we're going to. Heaven is that place in which that state in which God reigns perfectly over everything. And we're not going to go to heaven so much as heaven is going to come down to earth. Scriptures teach us that He's going to remake everything. And so we engage in life here, not as this disposable trial run that we're going to discard and abandon, but this place is home, but it's not really home yet. Christ will make it so, but that day is not here and it is not now. So the world offers us these glimpses of beauty and belonging, meaning and purpose. The world offers it to us in the form of marriage, friendship, career, parent-child relationships, vacations, art, creativity, so many other pleasures and wonderful things that even this fallen world has for us. And we do get these glimpses of what life is supposed to be. But the truth is, none of them lasts. And I think some people are more honest about it than others. That's why they struggle with watching the world around them going, how can all of you be so okay with all of this? How can you look so happy, so satisfied? And that's the truth, that some people are aware very keenly that none of this is lasting. None of it is everything. They're just echoes. I love how how C.S. Lewis put it, the scent of a flower that I have not found. What's the point then of these glimpses of home with the capital H? Why are we made to feel like exiles in our own lives on earth? Well, these glimpses point us to something greater, to the home that is yet to come. That is not all that comforting if what you have right now is truly home with a microscopic small h. If this this life is really awful for you, I can imagine that those words don't bring that much comfort. But I want to challenge you on this. Because how are we supposed to respond to this feeling that the best this life right now can offer us are glimpses of the life that is truly life which is to come? There's a couple temptations when we think about that. One of them is to just give up in despair. To conclude that the only way to stay sane and to get through life is to so lower your expectations that they match your disappointments in life. To just go, you know, it's stupid to hope. It's stupid to wait. It's stupid to believe. I'm foolish for wanting real friendships, real love, real intimacy. And so one temptation is to see that and just go, I give up then. Forget it. And, and right on the close on the heels of that is another temptation then to say, and I don't believe God is even good. How could God be good when life is so hard for me? When nothing ever lasts, where nothing is as deep as I want? Why do I feel like an exile? And God says to us, that is the state of life in this broken world. But the echoes He gives us, those glimpses, are meant to remind us that this is not the end of the story. That's why faith and hope are such critical components of walking through this life with God. 
The reason faith and hope are so important is because they remind us not to wait and hope for our greatest longings to be fulfilled here. It's not possible for that to happen. It is to believe instead that God will make this our true home one day. I think another temptation is to say, all right, I'm not going to give up in despair. Instead, I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I'm going to rise up in determination and I will turn this place into the best version of home I can make it. And many people are on their journey right now fighting with all their might to create a little slice of heaven on this earth. I'm not mad at you for doing that. I mean, we all try to make our lives a little better. I don't think that's against God. I don't think that's wrong. But if that's where you have placed your hope, if that's your response to this existential, universal experience of being exiles in this world, of feeling like we're home but not really at home, if your answer is to try to create heaven here right now, then I'm going to tell you that there's no way you will succeed. Because your wildest imagination cannot remake this world the way God one day intends to do. You can try to create your own version of heaven on earth, but it will end in futility. I totally understand why both of these responses feel like the only possible response to this experience that I want so badly to experience life, and yet nothing in my experience seems to give me anything like real life. I urge you, don't give up in despair, and don't rise up in determination to do it without God. What are we supposed to do in response? I love what C.S. Lewis writes in his other great book, Mere Christianity, one of my favorite books. He writes, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. I think what C.S. Lewis is trying to say, and what I'd like to say to you as your pastor today, is every time you get one of these little glimpses of true home, of beauty and purpose, meaning, belonging, every time, no matter how small, how fleeting, let it stoke in you the fire of longing and yearning because that is a small window, a teaser of the life which is coming one day for all of us. And it won't be in some vague place far, far away. He will return And He will remake this world so that even though we are home already, it isn't really home yet, but it will be one day. Let these glimpses remind you that they're a kind of proof that God exists and that He did make us for something more than this. Praise God for this longing for things we've never experienced because they are proof to me that I wasn't made for this, that I'm, and I'm not crazy to be dissatisfied with this. If that's what you're feeling, you're not crazy. I totally affirm you. You're right to feel like this cannot possibly be as good as it gets. And so the right response is to hang on to our faith and say, God, I know that I wish it was now. But I I believe your promise that you are going to return. And one day, all that pent-up longing that I can't seem to find in this world is going to be available when you remake all things. I'll close by leaving you 
with these great words from Hebrews 11, verses 13 to 16. All these people, speaking about those who demonstrated such amazing faith in the Bible. The writer of Hebrews says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Church, let's do everything we can to promote more and more glimpses for ourselves and others of what true home is supposed to feel like. But let's stop chasing the futile hope that we can produce that reality here and now. We need faith because the greatest things we long for are coming, but they're not yet here. It's one of the reasons why we long so desperately for the return of Jesus. Because with His return, everything pent up inside you, everything you know is wrong and incomplete and broken about our world, will change. And finally, for the first time, you will taste the things you dreamt of. Until then, I charge you in love and in the name of Jesus to keep living with faith and hope and perseverance. You're not supposed to find it yet. But wait, believe, it is coming. He who put that yearning deep in your heart is going to make it real one day in Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to just respond to the Lord through singing or just through praying as we close with the final song. And I want to ask you to think about where this message finds you today. And maybe this morning you're just on the edge of giving up in despair or you're just fully determined to make this earthly life heaven on earth. Wait on God. Keep doing your best, but know that you're not crazy for wanting more. He will bring it when He returns. Until then, let's hang on to each other. Let's hang on to His promise. And let's not give up. You and I are all exiles in this world. At home, but never really feeling at home. And that's the way it's meant to be. This is not our home yet, not the way it's meant to be. But let's trust and believe in the promises that God has given, that one day Christ will return, and every deep yearning of our soul, of our heart, will be realized in that remade world. He will bring that home with a capital H into reality one day. And until then, may God give you faith and hope to keep going no matter what. And let's help one another persevere in that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be blessed now and forever. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.